kind introduction. And what a blessing to be here. What, uh, I just love the testimonies. Uh, of what a beautiful time of worship. Uh, you guys um, have a great church here. I don't know if you realize uh, just how, how blessed you are. Uh, actually, um, as, um, as, uh, as Pastor was talking about um, you know, me planning a church, this church reminds me so much of the church that we started uh, back in Jacksonville. And that, uh, you know, I, I, one of the things I started off by saying to the church is like, I have this crazy dream. It's audacious. It's amazing. It's incredible. A vision that I have for the church. Do we have a church that people actually like each other? And they love each other. <laughs> and, uh, and it's crazy, but if you've been in church for a while, not every church has the kind of love that you feel in this place and the connection. And so I just want to tell you, uh, you are blessed to have uh, uh, the pastors that you have, the leaders that you have, and the church family that you have. I hope you, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to pat anybody on the back. I'm saying it just simply because it's true. And um, uh, can, can, I, can I meddle a little bit? Is it okay if I do that before we get in? Uh, first, I want to say to you the, the resources that we have today that come to World Challenge. We do a lot of things around the world. Um, sure. Um, we uh, do conferences for pastors. We do a lot of work with widows and orphans. And so uh, half of the resources we'll uh, give to a conference that we're doing in uh, Egypt. We're doing actually two conferences, one in Cairo and then one in the south part of Egypt, Muslim country, very unreached. Uh, and one of the things that we're going to be doing while we're there is helping to mobilize the church to go to unreached areas. And uh, so there's a lot of unreached areas in the Muslim world. And so uh, we'll do that. And then to widows and orphans in India, um, I was actually just just to say small churches, I was just in uh, last month preached to 15,000 people, about half Hindus, half Christians in an open air. And we literally saw thousands of people come and give their life to Christ. I mean, with dots on their forehead coming uh, to ask Jesus as Savior and healed. It was just an amazing thing. But one, one of the, hallelujah. So you, we could praise God. Um, one of the other things that we did is we went and, and visited orphans and widows. And then there's the leper colony. Now, leprosy is something that can be addressed in the days that we live if you have medical care. But in the place that they, they're at, they don't have medical care. And so there's a colony of lepers that we help to support and feed. And uh, I just want to give you a picture. Uh, sometimes we can be so comfortable in the world that we live in. I don't know if you realize this, but if just because we live in America, uh, we are in the top when, when it comes to wealth in the world. We are extremely wealthy, right? And uh, if you don't realize that, you go, well, I don't feel that wealthy. I want to tell you, you just need to travel a little bit. Uh, but here are, are these, um, you know, this leper colony and people are uh, missing uh, fingers parts of their hand and their face, uh, but these lepers have come to know Christ, and here they are in this place with hands uplifted and worshiping Jesus. They have literally nothing, but they have Christ, and so they have everything. And uh, I just want to tell you, it's a, it's a powerful thing to see what God does in some of the most broken places. Amen? So uh, just to let you know that as well, um, you know, you guys are blessed in that you have it, but most church plants do not start with a building. And God really blessed you with it. It's got, you know, it's uh, uh, in the church that we had, we had five, a total of seven locations, but five locations before we actually owned a building. And so, um, can I tell you a story or two? Is that okay before we get into the word? So, uh, the first place that we're in, I was saying last night, just in case you weren't here. So, I've heard a couple people go, oh, the bathrooms are such a far walk to go to the bathrooms. And so, we did not have that problem. We had a sanctuary that was about half this size. And the bathrooms actually opened up to the sanctuary. So you didn't have to walk down the hallway. It was literally like right there, there's a door and there's a bathroom. 
And so whenever, you know, you're preaching and somebody has to go to the bathroom, you flush, whatever happens in there, we all hear it. Uh, and I was like, how is this church ever going to grow? We had large churches around us, the places that people could go. Uh, and I was like, well, um, but I want to tell you, when you put the word of God and the love of God, and you put it in a place that doesn't matter the simplicity uh, that may be there. And listen, as, as a church plant, you'll go through struggles. There'll be things that you have that are difficult. It's just, it's just, it's just what a church plant is. But I want to tell you, you are creating memories over the years. And I just want to encourage you, man, this is a place where God is doing something really special. Uh, to our first time visitor who just gave a testimony, first I want to tell you that's exceptional. <laughs> okay. I think that's the first, you're the first person ever in the history of the church to be a first time visitor and give a testimony. So, you fit in here real well. This is a great place to come. Hallelujah. Um, well, we got, we got kicked out of our little storefront, and then we had to go to a movie theater. I was telling Pastor Aaron this. I hope it's okay to share. Uh, but we, we move into this movie theater, and the church had started to grow a little bit. So we had maybe 150 people in the church. And we go to this movie theater, and Easter comes up. So I got a large theater, and uh, the largest theater that they had, and, and that, that Easter morning we had about 250 people. The theater was pretty full. Well, because it was a different schedule for Easter, uh, movie theaters have this thing where like an hour beforehand they just start playing music. And it's just, it's just pre-recorded. Uh, nobody flips anything. It just automatically happens. And so I'm coming to the altar call. And we had several people raise their hand to come to know Jesus. And I'm about to give, I'm about to, to say the sinner's prayer. And Beyonce comes over the, <laughs> over the, over the loudspeakers. And they're is playing Beyonce. And I'm like, you know, whatever's shaking and rattling and rolling, she's talking about it in her, in her song. And I'm about to lead people to Christ. So I you know, go, hey, ushers, go turn it. And so they go to turn it. They could not turn it off. It was set. And the, the manager's like, sorry, nobody can turn it off. It just plays. So I led about 15 people to Christ while Beyonce was singing. And I want to just tell you, God can work in any circumstance. So he is God. Amen. So, uh, so yeah, you'll go through the difficult times. There'll be hardships along the way, no doubt. Nobody ever did something great for God that didn't go through moments of difficulty. But I'm going to tell you what, the spirit and the, and, and the power of God and the gospel is in this place. Talking to Pastor Aaron and just hearing his heart pour out. He's a man that loves God, loves the, the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, loves the scriptures. And listen, the love of God is in this place. And I just, just want to tell you how encouraged I am. Can I, can I do that for a moment before we get into the word? I just want to tell you, Oxano Church, you're on a great path and God is doing great things. And I just want to encourage you going into the future. All right. So let's get into the word. Praise God. Uh, to, this morning, um, I, I'm going to be, we've, we've been on a, a trail of talking about cultivation. So uh, to marriages, we talked about cultivating uh, faith in a marriage. Uh, last night, we talked about the, the things that you cultivate as a church plant, things that, uh, that really uh, God has called us to do, things that were really, uh, listen, you're called to reach this community. And so last night, we talked about some of those things. Today, I want to, this morning, I want to talk about cultivating this covenant, uh, cultivating the gospel. And um, I know that this is a church that believes in you covenant. Uh, Pastor Aaron has already been talking about this. This is maybe just a picture in a way that, that the Lord has given me to paint it. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about three covenants and a promise. And if you would, uh, this would be a great time to take notes. You can write them. If, if you get your phone, if I find out you're on Facebook, um, I'm going to tell the pastor on you. So don't, don't get on Facebook. But if you want to take notes, but today would be a good day to take notes. Amen. So Lord, we love you today. We thank you, God, that we're in your presence. And Lord, we want to hear you speak, Lord, loud from heaven. I pray, God, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for your, your word, God, to reverberate in our hearts in a great way. Lord, I I pray, God, the things that you speak today, Lord, would be things that we would embrace and hold. And God, it would be seeds that we plant. And Lord, I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you would bring a great harvest, Lord, that we would cultivate your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 
If you've been a farmer, if you've worked on a farm, you know it's hard work and it takes a lot of cultivation. My grandparents, I was raised in Tampa, actually, just real quickly, uh, gave my life to Christ in jail, Tampa City Jail is where I came to know the Lord. Between myself and my wife, our parents have 13 marriages. I could write a book on brokenness. I come to Christ and my life is so upside down. But I want to tell you, Jesus knows how to take upside down and make it right side up, right? And so, um, but cultivating is really important. How you plant seeds, uh, how you pull the weeds, how you grow a harvest, how you reap a harvest. And I am completely convinced in the scripture, there's so many places that Jesus talks about cultivating, how we cultivate our spiritual life, how we cultivate our marriages, how we cultivate in the church is so important. I don't believe that we live under law. I believe that we live by grace through faith. But those are things that we have to cultivate in our hearts. Otherwise, we just become uh, people who have a form of godliness but deny the true power. God wants us to live in power, amen? So we're gonna talk about these three covenants. I wanna start in Genesis, if you would, in chapter three. Uh, this is the first covenant, and it's the, it's the covenant of Adam. And in chapter three and verse four, it says, the serpent says to the woman, you will, you will uh, not surely die, because God had told them that if you eat of the fruit of the tree, that you will die. But then he says in verse five, for God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I want to tell you that this is the foundational uh, temptation of mankind. God says that if you eat from the tree, you'll surely die. Now, he wasn't talking about a physical, sometimes we think of like the, you know, what is it, the, um, the uh, Disney movie where somebody eats an apple and then they die. Uh, it's not that. Uh, there wasn't an immediate death, it was a spiritual death. And if you go, well, is really a spiritual death so bad? I want to tell you one of the saddest moments, I think, in the scripture is here God has given a command. If you eat from the fruit of the tree, you'll surely die. And they go, you know what, we'll go ahead and do it anyways. And they eat the apple or whatever it is and they don't die. But then the day that they stand over their two sons and one son is a murderer and one son is on the ground bleeding and dead. And they go, look what we have brought into this world. The pain and the suffering and the brokenness because of sin. And I want, you, I want you to see this. At the root of the, the suffering in the world that we live in and the brokenness of our life is this. Is that God gives a command and he says, hey, there's one rule. Gave him one rule. Don't eat from the tree of the fruit of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and now the enemy lies and he says, no, God just want, he, he wants to keep you from being able to make the rules, to say what's right, to say what's wrong. You can have your own destiny, your own future. You can create your own reality. You don't need God. And listen, that is the mantra of the generation that we live in. You don't need God. You can do it. You can make your way. You can do it with these two hands. You can educate yourself. Uh, you can resource yourself. And every, everything that you need is within yourself. That is the mantra of this generation, but it's false. And the end of it is death. And look at the brokenness that we have in the world that we live in. And listen, you say, what is the answer for that? Well, first of all, it is when people come to know Jesus. I am praying. I'm just going to tell you, I am praying for an awakening in America and around the world. We need a move of God in the days that we live. And I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's not going to happen by people who just come into comfortable chairs, sit in the place, have their little coffee bar, go home and live their life. It is, going to be it is going to happen when people begin to believe God and walk with God and understand the truth and proclaim the truth. That is, that's where awakening comes from. Church, I want to tell you, I believe in Milwaukee through this church and other churches in the city. I am believing God for an awakening in this city. Amen. Well, it, it goes back to this, God says, don't eat. Yeah, you know, when I think about this, I go, you know, he's Adam and Eve in a perfect place. So they have no sin nature. They're, they and Jesus are the only ones created without a sin nature. Uh, and they have, listen, there's no traffic. There's no mean neighbors. There's no Vikings fans. I mean, um, it was a perfect place. You know what I'm saying? There's no, you know, 
uh, mean people around and they have one simple rule. You know, sometimes I think about this and I go, I think I could stay away from the fruit from that tree. I could eat it. But it wasn't about the fruit on the tree. It was about the, you can make the rules. You can be God. You can determine the future. You determine what's right and what's wrong. And this was at the very core. And church, if we don't deal with this issue of going, this is God's word and there is a God in heaven and he did create us. And listen, he has the right to say what's right and wrong. And listen, not only can he just say what's right and wrong, but I've been doing this for, uh, you know, almost almost 40 years since I got saved in that jail. And here's my testimony. The word of God is true. And what Jesus says is right. And what Jesus says is wrong is wrong. And I have discovered that. And when you look at the fruit of what God says in his word, it's so powerful and it's so truthful. We just need people that will believe the word of God and act on it. And so here you have Adam and Eve, they disbelieve what God, what God says, and they believe what the serpent says, and they eat of this fruit, and they fall into sin. And you know the story, uh, they hide in shame, uh, they, they, uh, which, which shame and guilt has now come into the world. Uh, they're broken, uh, they are now removed from this perfect place, uh, they have to leave, uh, and now we have the world uh, that we live in. Now... If you go to the scripture, uh, God will curse two things. He curses the ground. That's why we have disasters in the world. That's why we have famine in the world. Listen, there is a curse on creation. That means one day, because sin entered into this creation, everything, the Bible says, it's like a, it's, it's like a, 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 a sheet or a blanket. It will all roll up. And then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth because there, there's a flawed world that we live in. That's why we have sickness. That's why we have uh, disease. All of these things entered through the world because of sin. And so there was a curse on creation. It, this is a fallen world that we live in. So when people say, oh, how can there be a loving God? And there's this, you know, this, uh, these terrible things that happen around the world. Well, why? Because sin and brokenness it, it, it's, just, it's just the result of sin that has entered into the world. And so here you have Adam and Eve, and now, and now there's a curse that's on the ground. The second curse was on the serpent. But I want you to see this, because many times we think that the curse went on Adam and Eve, but God did not proclaim a curse over Adam and Eve. There were, there were results for their sin, and he gave those but then he spoke this incredible blessing. He said this. He says, uh, we'll, we'll actually read this in 315. It's what's called the Proto-Evangelium. It's the first preaching of the gospel in first, uh, 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 3 and 15. It says, um, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so now we have this promise that one day there will be a savior who would be born from the seed of a woman. And this, and this savior would come. And yesterday you have a small victory. You've bruised the heel. But this savior will come and crush your head. Now, I want you to see this because some people look and go, oh, they sinned. And God's, you know, sort of surprised. Oh, I can't believe Adam and Eve sinned. Listen, the scripture says that from the beginning of the foundations of the earth, that the lamb was slain. So God already had a plan. I believe it's the, it will be the first, we'll talk about it later, the last covenant, that God had a plan of salvation for mankind. He knew we would fall. He knew he would redeem us. He knew that this would be the plan. But I want you to see that at, at, at the core is this failure of man. Now, we're gonna go to Deuteronomy. And if you would go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, I want you to look at the second covenant, which is the covenant of Moses. And we're going to see the 613 laws. But, but, but you, if you understand this, we're going to get to the new covenant that we have in Christ. But if you understand the failure and the weakness of man, if you go, some, sometimes we think, you know, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. I mean, I know a lot of people that are worse. Uh, Gary Wilkerson, our president one time was talking about this and he said, you know, I used to think of, of like, here's God's glory and here's how righteous God is. And then those of us that are pretty good, 
we're kind of about right here. And then, you know, Hitler and the evil people were way down here because that's kind of the image that he had. And he said, the more that I know God and the closer that I get to the holiness and the purity of God in Christ, I go, okay, God's holiness is here. And then I'm about right here. <laughs> and then right below that is like, uh, we're far closer to Hitler than we are to the glory and the power and the righteousness of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? And what it, what it reveals is this, is that there's a flaw in us. Every one of us, you go, oh, I do pretty good. I think I do. But listen, every one of us has a flaw, and that flaw is called sin. And here's the problem. The scripture says if you're guilty in one point of sin, you're guilty of all of it. And if you, if you don't realize how unrighteous and what a sinner you are, you can never discover the true grace and the kindness and the love of God. It, Christ dying on a cross doesn't really make sense if you don't know that you're really a sinner. And you so, so much of the church tries to, you know, clean us up a little bit, make us look a little better than the next guy, and we're not really that bad. But listen, the truth is, in comparison to the righteousness and the holiness of God, we're not just a little flawed. We are completely flawed, and every one of us need a Savior. When you understand this, you truly understand the goodness and the, and the righteousness and the grace of God. Amen? And so here in Deuteronomy, uh, we're in chapter 28, and God tells Moses to go to what's two hills. You can look this up on Google later, but there's two hills called Ebal and Gerizim. And so these are two mountains that are right together. They bring the 12 tribes of Israel. Six tribes go on Ebal. Six tribes go on Gerizim. And then God says this to, to, um, uh, to, to Moses and then uh, later to Joshua. Uh, it, this actually happened twice. And so he says to them, take, take the children of Israel before they go into the promised land. And I want you to get these 12 tribes, six on Ebal, six on Gerizim. And uh, one, Gerizim is the Mount of Blessing. Uh, Ebal is the mountain of curses and I want you to read the law. So they go through the 16, uh, 613 laws and they reverberate. Here is the law of God. They're, the priests are sprinkling the blood on the people and they're going to repeat after me. These are the 613 laws. Now we're going to take up in verse one, if you would look and it says this, and it says, now it shall come to pass uh, that if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord to observe carefully some of his commands, all of his commands, which I have commanded you to this day, that's 613, that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations and, all, and above the earth. And these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed will you be in the country. It goes on. You'll be the head and not the tail, the front and not the back. How many think that that sounds really great? It sounds great. Thank you for the blessings. I've heard people sometimes go through and go, yes, I am the head and not the tail. But here is the trouble with it. This is an old covenant. It's the covenant of Moses that I want to say to you was never designed to bring about righteousness. It was designed to show us how faulty and frail we are. So if, if Adam has one rule and he can't keep it, now here they are, the children of Israel, one to three million people, depending on who you talk to, somewhere between one and three million people, and they are now repeating the law, 613 rules. Do you think that anybody had a chance? I mean, do you think that the angels in heaven were like, hey, uh, let's uh, bet on this and see, do you think they're going to keep the 613 laws? Do you think anybody, even now looking back, and they're going, yes, we will obey the law. We will keep the law because if we keep the law, we will be blessed. The trouble with it is the purpose of the law is not to show us how good we are. The purpose of the law is to show us how wicked we are. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but there's an evangelist that goes on the streets and he'll talk to people and they go, oh, you're pretty good. Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a good person. Really? Um, how many beers can you name? And they'll name like 30 beers. Well, how many scriptures can you quote? And it's like 
For God so loved the world. There's like two. You're like, you're not really that good. I mean, the truth of it is we're really not as good as we think that we are. We're we're flawed. And and if you don't see that, I got to tell you, it it really... um, I pray that God would reveal because sometimes we want to put this aurora around ourselves and go, no, we're really, we're really good. When in essence, the whole purpose of the law, the 10 commandments even was to show us the wickedness that's in our heart. And so they read the law. Now look at this, but he goes to verse 15 and we'll read this, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully some of his commandments. <laughs> that all is a, is a deadly word. If you're not careful to observe all of his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, these curses will come upon you. Cursed you'll be in the city. Cursed you'll be in the field. And this is, listen, if you look at the world today, you look at the world today and go, we're very broken. I would love to, if somebody says, no, we think the, the world is really in a pretty good place and there's not much difficulty. You just need to turn on the news. <laughs> it is a broken, wicked world. And a curse, the curse is this. The curse is unbelief because we don't believe. We, we, we started with our fault back at the Garden of Eden and we said, well, we're gonna determine our, our own ways. Can I just say this to you? How is that working for us? It's not working so well. I I can do it. I can listen. We are so flawed, and if you don't get this, uh, it will really you'll really never truly understand what the plan of God is. So you have this first covenant with Adam. Adam breaks it. Now you have uh, you have the second covenant of Moses. This is why in the in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, you had two things. You had the law, and then you had a sacrificial system because God knew that they were going to fail, and so He created a sacrificial system that would never take away your sin, but it would, it would cover your sin from year to year, from day to day. And they have this continual sacrificial system, uh, happening, never taking away sin, but covering it from time to time. And here's what, this is what now leads us to the new covenant that's in Christ, because he is the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. So Aren't you glad we're done with these two covenants and we get to go talk about fun stuff? So I want you to go to John chapter four with me. And we're gonna talk about the woman at the well. I believe that the woman at the well is one of the most perfect pictures of the new covenant in the scripture. It's a powerful understanding. Now listen, I'll go through new covenant with pastors sometimes 30, 40 hours. So this isn't some novelty of an idea. It's the revelation that Paul had in Galatian and, and, and the book of Galatians. Uh, he says, I've received a, a vision from the Lord. I believe that that vision was the understanding of what the finished work of Christ was on the cross and how it affects humanity. He had that vision. It's called, I believe that it's, it's, it's the new covenant that we see in Christ through the writings of Paul that explained this. So here's in this particular story, you have Jesus that says, we must needs go through Samaria. Most of you probably know the story, but let me just help you out with it. The, the Samaritans had interbred. That means that God had told the children of Israel that they were not to marry with other people. They were only uh, to stay within the, the people of Israel and marry within themselves. And the purpose of that was a couple of reasons. One, he had a nation that would show his glory. And second, Secondly, it would be the lineage that would bring forth Christ as a savior. So it was really important that uh, they did not intermarry. He kept them as this nation that was uh, at times a great testimony and other times uh, they failed a lot. But through it, it was the people that he used to bring forth the savior. And so he had given in the law, he would say not to intermarry. Well, the Samaritans disobeyed the law and they married people outside of the Jewish faith. So they were, uh, so they were, uh, they were mixed. And so here's, 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 um, brings clarity. You go, why would the Jews not talk to them? Because they go, you're born in sin. The day you were born, you're under a curse because your parents broke the law and now you're born under a curse. I just, I just want you to see this. So the Jews had nothing to do with them. So when Jesus says, we must needs go through Samaria, the disciples are like, do we really have to be around those people? Like, we don't like those people. They don't like us. 
We, and, and it was rare that they would talk. So when, when, you, when you go and you see Jesus having this conversation, first of all, with a woman, and then a Samaritan woman, it's like, you know, this is a very odd thing for the time. And so uh, I, wanna, I, I want you to see this. But he says, we must needs go through Samaria. This is what I believe. The woman at the well is the perfect specimen for the new covenant to tell the story. Now, I want you, I want you to look with, with me, if you would, in chapter 4, and then we're going to read verse 5. It says this, So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground uh, that, uh, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, being wearied from his journey, he sat down by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now here's what I want you to see. You go, where is this at? It's in Sychar. There's a well. I just want you to see this. In Deuteronomy 28, it says that they go to Ebal and Gerizim, two mountains. Sychar and Jacob's well sets at the base of Ebal and Gerizim. So the very place that was the place of blessings and cursings, Old Testament law, Moses, this is the very place that Jesus comes to Samaria. It's at the base of those two mountains and there's a well. And now Jesus strikes up this, this conversation. I want you to see, because he is going to bring a distinction between Old uh, Testament law and new covenant. Here's what happens many times in the church. We tend to mix law and grace, old covenant and new covenant. One thing that I determined at the church that I pastored was this, from the first day I was was, was this, I don't care how many people in the church, if there's 10 people and we meet under a tree and the presence of God is there, that's all I care about. The church grew and it grew exponentially and praise God for that. But that was never my intention. My intention is we need the presence of God. And I want to tell you, the presence of God is in this house. Thank God for that. The second thing was this. We, we preached this new covenant message, and I never varied from it. it. Now, I didn't preach this message every week, but everything that we preached was in line with understanding the new covenant in Christ. It's so important. And here is this incredible picture. Here's the uh, Ebal and Gerizim, place where the Old Testament was given. They're at this well, and now Jesus meets this woman. And you go, why do you think that this woman was so important? Let me tell you why. First of all, she was born in sin. Secondly, she has, she's had five husbands. So now she's lived a life of sin. And now she's living with a man. And so now she was born in sin. She's lived in sin. She's still living in sin. And she's a Samaritan. And listen, the, the people in her town, the ladies in her town would normally all go get the water together, but she's alone. Why is she alone? Because the people who are rejected by God and born into sin, they go, we're bad, but we're not as bad as you. We don't want to be around you. Five husbands living with somebody. No, thank you. You are wicked. We don't even want to be around you. Now, I want to say the life has gotten bad for this lady, right? And you go, why does Jesus go to this woman? Sometimes we look and we go, oh, she could be a prostitute. She's definitely broken in relationships. She's gone from one bad relationship to another. She's cultivated nothing in her life. This woman is broken. Probably nobody wants to be around her. And here she is by herself. And we go, you know, that's a really bad person. But here's the truth. The woman at the well, she represents every one of us. Because we were born in sin. Every one of us here have sinned. And guess what? Even if you're saved, First John says, if you deny that you're a sinner, you're lying. Because we, had, we were born in sin. We've lived in sin. And guess what? We still carry the effects of sin in our life. None of us are perfect. We need the grace of God, not just the first day I was saved, but every day I live, I need the grace of God. Can somebody say amen to that? And so here is this woman that he's interacting with. And I want, you to, I want, you to, I want us to look at this and go, what's the difference between covenant with Adam, a covenant with Moses, and now the covenant that Jesus brings. Uh, he, he talks with her, and I want you to go with me, if you would, down to verse uh, 10. And it, they're, they're talking about water, giving me a drink, and then Jesus answered her. And I want you to see this because it's really important. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have 
kept 613 laws. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, I want, there are something that's, there's some good things that are packed in here. And I want you to see, I want you to see this. Here's the first thing. And I believe that this is the gospel. You want to see a, I say this to pastors every, you want to see a church grow. You want to see a church flourish. Here is the key. As pastors and leaders, certainly we talk about sin and righteousness. Uh, uh, we should do that as pastors. But this is our main message that we have, not just for a pastor, but for a church, for a city. And it's this. If you know who he is and you know what he has to give you, you would ask in faith, as your pastor said earlier, it's this, it's this issue of faith. You would ask. It doesn't say keep law. He doesn't say, well, here's the, uh, you know, if you're going to be a good Christian, you need to read the Bible and pray and, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't wear clothes like this and don't do that and don't go here and don't do that. There's not a list. He says you just ask in faith. Now listen, do I believe in holiness? I am a holiness preacher. I just don't believe that holiness comes from a set of rules. Holiness comes from a person. And when you get connected to the person, the person is what makes us righteous. I'm not, listen, you, you say you're a praying man. I'm not a praying man because I'm a good man. I'm a praying man because Jesus lives in me. I, why, why do I go around the world? So I can collect points with God because, you know, I go to places around the world and tell people about Jesus. Absolutely not. The finished work of Jesus. I have every point I will ever get. And I got it with Jesus when he died at Calvary, right? And that's everything that I need. I don't, I don't go so I'm racking up points. I go because Jesus lives inside of me and Jesus says go. Why do we, you, you know, in 11 years of the church, I never one time did I say, hey, if you're going to be a, a good Christian, you need to go share your faith. If you're going to be a good Christian, you need to get into the word. If you're going to be a good Christian, you really need to serve and you really need to give. Now, I believe in giving. I believe in tithing. And I would say to the church, I believe it's an act of faith. I believe that every believer should do it. But listen, I, this whole, and I know your pastor doesn't do the, the whole thing of twisting arms and telling people they're going to get a blessing that they give. All of that is just, can I just say it? It's just rubbish. And it never brings about the righteousness of God. But I will tell you this. If people fall in love with Jesus, they will serve, they will go, they will give. Not because it's out of compulsion to a law, but because they are connected with Christ. I give because he's generous. I give because he's, I don't give to get. I give from the side of being blessed. And so, so I want you to see this. What do we do? We preach a gospel that says, listen, we preach how great he is. You go to the workplace and if you go and you say, well, I'm going to go the Moses way. And so you go, hey, I just want to tell you, uh, you told a lie today. God sees your lie. You're going to hell. Tell me how that works for you, right? Uh, now, I'm not saying that you don't speak righteousness. We certainly will, will, the way we speak and the way that we live will stand for righteousness and will stand for truth. But nobody is going to get saved because you are so uh, good about telling them what the law is. They may, be get, they may get saved because they see how you walk and how you live. But just because you proclaim the law to them, they're probably not going to come to Christ. Can I give you another avenue? And listen, I'm a, I worked as a meat cutter. And I saw, I mean, I saw so many people saved in, my, in the grocery store that I worked at. And you go, what, because you just told everybody how bad they were? No, I told everybody how great Jesus is. Because if you know who I am, if people can really understand who Jesus is, how would you not serve him? The church has done a really terrible job of telling people who Jesus is. We, the way that we describe Jesus, it sounds like a grumpy old man who's mad at all of us because we sin. That is not who Jesus is. Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. We're already condemned. He came to take away. Now you say, do you believe in repentance? Absolutely, I believe in repentance. We, we have to turn from our sin. We have to turn to God. It's not my way, it's his way. All of those things are true. But listen, those things will never happen just because we speak law. It's when this lady understands who is talking to her and then what he has to give her that is when people start to go so tell me more about this Jesus 
Listen, it is our job to talk about the wonder and the majesty and the beauty and the awesomeness of who God is and what he came to do and the way that Jesus loves and the mercy and the power of God. And listen, and he says, if you knew who I, who I am and then you knew what I had to offer you, you would ask me and I would give you living water. That sustains you through all the brokenness of a dry and a weary world. God, Jesus says, I will give you everything that you need to, for life and godliness and goodness to bring joy and peace and the love of God. Doesn't mean that you won't have troubles, but we have God. That's the promise. The promise is, is that now God is with us. Amen. Now, here's the second part. He said, if you know who I am and, then you knew, and you knew what I had to give you, I want to say to you, church, I think one of the biggest things that we need to do in the church is discover what Jesus came to give, our identity, who we are in Christ, what he accomplished. I think it's really important. So Jesus says, if you know who I am and you know what I'm coming to offer you, you would ask in faith, and I would give you living water, which is the kingdom. That's the cultivating the kingdom. I will give it to you. He doesn't say you have to earn it. He doesn't say, hey, go for a few weeks. We'll see how you do and come back. And then I'll give you the living water. He says literally. Now it's asking in faith. I believe the word is pistis, which is to cleave to, to believe in, to trust in Jesus. So if you would trust me, if you would ask me in faith, I would then give you springs of living water. It's not a rule. It's a person. He is our righteousness. Amen. Amen. Now uh, people go, well, what is it that he came to give? I want to tell you, everything that Jesus wanted the cross is for his church. You know, um, I've spent the last few days with Pastor Aaron and Denise. Lovely people. You guys have great pastors? Amen. Awesome. So if I said to Pastor Aaron, I said, you know, Pastor Aaron, I like you. Man, you're a great guy. You're a lot of fun. I love hanging out with you. Um, but your wife, I don't like her so much. Um, she smiles all the time. She's also happy and busy. And, you know, I just don't care much for her. This is an illustration, so I don't mean any of it. Uh, but if I said that to him and I said, but hey, let's hang out. Cause I really, I really like you. I just don't like your wife so much. At some point, if you know, Pastor Aaron, he's going to say, Hey bud, um, if you love me, you can't be this way with my wife. Right? Because, hey, we're one. And I, and I want to tell you, I made that. She's the best person to choose because everybody likes her, right? Uh, but if I said that, if I said, no, I love you. I just don't care for your wife. This is what happens. We go, Jesus, I love you. I just don't care for the church. Well, I'm sorry. But if you love me, you love my bride. If you love me, you love the people that I'm with. And I want you to see this. When Jesus died on the cross, one of the, you know, I could go in more depth with this, but everything that Jesus won at the cross, death, hell, and the grave he defeated, you inherit everything that he won. Listen, in Romans chapter eight, it uses, it uses the term, it says you are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved you and gave himself for you. How many believe that? Well, you know, I asked myself the question one time, what is more than a conqueror? Like, I understand what a conqueror is, but what is more than a conqueror? And so, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about this, and I like boxing. Anybody here like boxing? Anybody heard of Mike Tyson? Evander Holyfield. So back in the day, if you're a little bit older, some of you younger people will look it up. So these two boxers, Evander Holyfield was a professing Christian. Mike Tyson was, like, evil and wicked. He, in the boxing match, he bit his ear off. So I... I don't know what that tastes like. I don't care to know what that tastes like. But in the middle of it, he bites the guy's ear off. So, uh, so anyways, Evander Holyfield, for months, he trains, he prepares. I mean, he, you're talking months of running, exercise. I mean, everything that he's doing to prepare for this boxing match. And so, uh, so he prepares for months. He comes in. He's this vicious guy that he's against. Uh, then he goes into the boxing. If you see his face afterwards, bloodied, beaten, I mean, uh, but in the end, he wins. So in the end, uh, even with the bitten ear and everything else, he beats Mike Tyson and he wins. Now, 
it's a little bit of a picture of Jesus. He's a conqueror. He went in, he defeated, he's a winner. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen? Can somebody say amen to that? So, so Jesus defeated every enemy, the flesh, the devil, all of it, he defeated uh, at the cross because he's a conqueror. But what's more than a conqueror is Evander Holyfield gets the $10 million check. I actually think it was like $22 million, but he gets, the, he gets the $20 million check and he's holding it in his hand and then his wife comes along and, and she goes, thank you very much because what belongs to him belongs to her. And I want you to, I want you to see this. What's more than a conqueror? Now listen, uh, I'm sure she did many great things in her life and taking care of the home and everything else. And that is never to be nullified. The work uh, that a woman does at home, I don't even know her, but whatever she did, I'm sure it was very valid. But she did not step into the ring. She, nobody hit her. She was not bloody. She was not broken. But listen, Jesus was bloody and broken. On the third day, he raises from the dead. And this is, this is the promise, is that now everything that he won, the presence of God, the authority of the believer, he says, now all authority has been given to me. Why? And now I give authority to you. And you just see this picture. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a great picture. Uh, if you've seen racers and there's a finish line, uh, you know, they'll run and they'll come to the end. And the, whoever sticks their head in the front and they cross the line first, that means that they're on the other side. Jesus is the head, we're the body. He has crossed to the other side. So positionally, we have already won. Even though we're not in heaven yet, we are, the Bible says, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. That means everything in the kingdom is yours. Listen, if you understood that, church, if you understood how great Jesus is and what truly he came to deposit in our life, if, if the church of Jesus ever caught this truth, I'm going to tell you, you talk about an awakening, we would be living it, walking it, believing it, breathing it, cultivating it. And when you go to the place of work, man, you are walking in the power and the love of Jesus Christ. Listen, this is the answer. And no, he, he speaks now to this woman who is born in sin, lived in sin, broken. And he says, if you will just believe who I am and you will believe what I came to give you, I will give you floods of living water from heaven. Hallelujah. Now, you know, the result of this is, and it's, I think it's a beautiful part of the story. So they come to the end of it. And finally, I think, in, I think the verse will come up. It's 26 or something. Then Jesus, because listen, if you say, oh, this woman was seeking God. No, she wasn't. She may be one of the most spiritually blind. She's talking to Jesus forever. And he's trying to say, hey, I'm Jesus. I'm the Messiah. And she doesn't get it. And finally, he comes and says, I am he. And then her eyes are open and she sees, oh, this is Jesus. Because you know what? Most of this world doesn't see Jesus. They need a revelation. And fortunately, now in the body of Christ, because you're a believer, Christ lives in you. That revelation of Christ should be everywhere that the church goes. There should be a revelation of who Jesus is. To, listen, they'll only, they won't see the fullness of Jesus through you, but they will see a reflection of his glory. And listen, when the church begins to live like that and look like that, I, I will tell you in this house right here, I don't know if you get this, but when I look at all of you together, each of you have a different part of the reflection of the glory and the love of Jesus. I see Jesus in this place. This is the body of Christ. When we behave that way and we walk that way and we live that way and we know who Jesus is and we know what he came to bring, I'm going to tell you what, there is no devil in hell. People will bang on your door. If you think that this is, you've done a great job in a year, nice congregation that you have, this this place will not hold the people that will come to find out the greatness of what Jesus has done in this house. If you know who he is, the beauty and the majesty of Jesus, and you know what he came to, to, to impart to his people, and you start walking that out, I'm going to tell you what, there will be living water. So now you have this woman. Nobody even likes, one of the greatest mysteries in this chapter is she goes back and she says, come out and tell the man and, and see the man. And they're like, hey, you're the, you know, <laughs> sleazy woman in the city. Why are we going to listen to you? But I want you to come out and see the man that changed my life. This is what's cool. The first missionary in the New Testament 
is the woman at the well. So she goes from this place, not by law, but she does it by the grace and the power, right? by grace, through faith. And God does this instant work in her life. And she becomes the first missionary in the New Testament. She goes to the people of Samaria. It says that they all come out and they have this incredible revelation of Jesus and the town comes to know the Lord. Listen, if God could do that, through a woman who was born in sin, who had five husbands, who's living with a man, and Jesus does that kind of a work, look at your neighbor and tell him, God can do that in you. God can do it in you. But it means that you, you have to step away from what you think is right and good. And you have to step in and go, God, I want to see your glory. I want to do it your way. Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to see your majesty and your purity and your goodness. And then, Lord, everything that you have in the kingdom, I want to walk it out and live it out. And you go, Pastor, it sounds like pie in the sky. I will tell you this. That pie in the sky is exactly what Jesus came to give. He can heal your marriage. Listen, he can take whatever brokenness is inside of you. You go, you don't, you don't know my past. You don't know what I came out of. I know what I came out of. And I know what Jesus brought me through. And I can tell you this. If he brought me through it, he can bring you through it. If you'll just believe him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't know if we have a worship leader. Does somebody love Jesus here? I think you got some people that love Jesus in this place, Pastor Aaron. Hey, will you stand, will you stand on your feet? You know, um, we're not standing at a well. Jesus went to a well. And I said it last night, I'll say it again. The gospel's never about who delivers the message. Uh, our church did not grow because I'm a good speaker. Um, our church grew because I had the right message. This message, I believe, is the message for the New Testament church. And listen, today I'm just saying to you, this is a pure three covenants and a promise. And the promise is I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll dwell in you. Listen, if you go, I, I, I'm, I'm in a place of brokenness. I need God. Uh, your pastor said it earlier. Believe him. Trust him. Ask him, look to him. Everything that you need is in Christ. And do you believe that or do you not believe it? And today my, my altar call is this. If anybody who can or will, I want, you, I want you to just, maybe if you're here, you go, Lord, I want to see the majesty and the beauty of Jesus. And Lord, I may not know everything that you came to give me, but Lord, whatever that is today, Lord, I want it. I want you. I want the kingdom. Lord, I want to cultivate it in my life. Lord, any of those areas of unbelief, God, I, I turn my back on those. And Lord, I pray, God, that I'll believe you. Yeah, pe there'll be people who reject you. There'll be people who don't agree with you. That'll always happen. But you know what? There's going to be a whole lot of people that see the glory of God on your life. And they're going to be something that they go, what is different about you? Because I know who Jesus is. And I know what he came to bring in my life. Today, that is the heart. That is the message. I believe that Jesus is speaking this so loudly. The same place that Moses and, and Joshua declare the Old Testament law is the same place that Jesus meets this woman at the well. It is the difference between a covenant of law and death. It actually, in Hebrews, it calls it a ministry of death. And then the new covenant in Christ is far exceeding with better promises. And I want to tell you, it brings life and power and the joy and the presence of God to all that will believe. Would any of you just say today, hey, today I want to just come and gather around as the body of Christ. And I want to seek God. I want to seek God for me. I want to discover the things of God. I want to grow in these things. And then, Lord, I want to be like this woman at the well. Lord, when you deposit it in my heart, I want to go to a generation that's lost and broken and confused. They don't even, they don't even know what sex they are. They don't even know what gender they are. It's a, it's a generation that's so confused because they've tried to make life in their own way, in their own understanding. And God is saying, I love every one of you. Will you just come to me? And watch the work that I'll do. I believe that he'll do that. Just, if you would, just come and gather and let's pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God.